welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Uh, Today, we are continuing our sermon series called Patterns. I hope you enjoyed last week as we started this series on patterns. There are patterns in the Bible from story to story, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from Adam to Jesus. The authors of the Bible, as they wrote parts of the Bible and books of the Bible, they were intentionally pointing out promise-shaped patterns. God shows patterns through his promises to us. We started last week looking at the pattern of sin. We saw the story of Abraham, and he continued twice to lie and say that his wife was actually said that she's my sister to protect himself. And not only did he get in that pattern, but he followed that. He modeled that so that his son Isaac would follow in that same pattern. Sometimes, if we're being honest, we can get into these patterns of selfishness, patterns of making excuses, patterns that get passed down from generation to generation. But I'm very thankful that while there might be a pattern of sin, there's also the pattern of God's faithfulness. That even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Amen. And so each time when Abraham would mess up, God still restored Sarah to Abraham, restored Rebecca to Isaac, and they continued. And in this series of patterns, we're looking at this concept of typology. Allow me to get heady for just a minute, and then I, I think I'm going to do, uh, hopefully, a good job cl- clearing up what it means. Typology is defining in our context the study and the interpretation of types and symbols, particularly in the Bible. And when we're looking at the study of patterns and typology, we, we have to see there's two key features of typology. The number one is that there is historical correspondence between events persons, and institutions. We saw some historical correspondence between the people last week, right? Abraham to Isaac. The second part of typology is escalation. Historical correspondence and escalation together is seeing the patterns that we'll look at in Scripture. And escalation, that means that it's something better and greater will come than whatever is foreshadowing it. Today's message is simply called Escalate. And I know a lot of times when we think of escalate or escalation, we think of it in a a bad connotation, right? (laughs) We think things went from bad to worse. Things got worse, right? I I was actually trying to go online and, and search escalation in the Bible. And it kept showing me concepts dealing with de escalation. They're like, did you mean when Jesus would de escalate a situation? Did you mean when Joseph would de-escalate conflict with his brothers? No, 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 no. I'm talking about escalation in a good way. It can mean taking something from good to greater. It can mean an intensifying, uh, uh, it can mean growth. And so today, we're going to look at the patterns of people passing on from one generation to another, from one godly person to another, because we're meant to build on each other, right? We're we're meant to build each other up, And what happened before me, I I want to build up above that, right? I want to go beyond that. And so we're going to look at the story of the transition. We'll start here. The transition from the prophet Elijah to Elisha. I'm going to try to say that correctly each time. Elijah to Elisha. If you remember, Elijah was the prophet who went against the prophets of Baal, 
King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, he called down fire from heaven to devour the sacrifice. And then, and then he also promised that rain would come on the land of Israel where there had not been rain for a long, long time. Elijah had been faithful to God, performed numerous miracles, and now it was time for God to take Elijah to heaven. And we're going to start by reading 2 Kings chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. We'll, we'll have it on the screen for you. This is a perfect time to remind you you can pull out your sermon notes. If you love that outline we have for you, it's on the Church Center app. It's also through the YouVersion Bible app. You can find that link. 2 Kings chapter 2. At this point, Elisha knows that Elijah is about to leave him. And he's been following him diligently, faithfully. And let's pick up the story here in verse 9. Let's read these six verses together. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. It says, When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes, tore them into pieces, and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. All right, so before Elijah is taken up into heaven, he asks Elisha, what, what can I do for you? What, what do you want from me? And Elisha asks for a double portion of his spirit. And, and then once Elisha has watched Elijah being taken to heaven, Elisha picks up that mantle. And it's a symbol that he's picking up the, the mantle, he's picking up the, the, the calling of, of a prophetic person in, in his life. And so now we know there's this transition, right? We know there's a, a transition from Elijah to Elisha. Elisha asked for double what Elijah had. Now with that in mind, I want to go back in the story. I want to go back to where we first see Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17. And I'm not going to read this. I'm going to have to paraphrase. This is the problem of reading through patterns because there's so many different stories to hit to show you the patterns. But I can't read every single story because then we'll be here till noon. So... Let me, let me just quickly paraphrase what happens. There's, there's this pattern between the first miracle of Elijah and the first miracle of Elisha. They both have to do with bringing oil, bringing a miracle of provision through the oil that a woman has. There's three similarities in, in that story. Number one is that both miracles involve widows who have nothing but jars of oil that the prophet points to for provision. That's number one. Number two, both chapters and provision are immediately followed by the resurrection of a child. A child is brought back from the dead. And number three, both stories end with the prophet return, returning the child to the mother alive. 
So those are some of the patterns, the similarities. There are patterns in the story, but the pattern is not just looking at the fact that these two stories are identical. Remember, today we're looking at escalation. And so when we look at escalation, there's three things I'm asking you to ask God for today. And the first one is, number one, God, will you build for me? God, build for me. God reveals a pattern. And we're not simply just meant to maintain what has been built. We have to build on top of what's come before us. We're supposed to go higher and greater. And I'm not necessarily an analogy guy. I'm not necessarily a props guy, but bear with me. I'm going to try to, to, to channel, channel my inner Pastor Dennis this morning. But have you, have you seen some of these blocks before, right? Did anyone grow up with these blocks, playing with them as kids? Building blocks, when we build upon one another, where's my other foundation? It's my foundation piece. This is a foundational piece, right? It's a bigger piece where you can build on top of, right? I'm not an expert with this stuff, but it makes sense to me. That you can build here. But when the next person builds on top of that, they're supposed to build and grow what's, what's already come before them, right? They're not supposed to go right here. They're supposed to build on top of. There should be saying, God, would you build something for me that I have a foundation to build on top of? I'm going to get a few more of these blocks out because I might need them before the end of this service and then put them back before second service season. But we're supposed to build for one another. But the first thing we have to start with is saying, God, would you build for me? Would you build a foundation for me? What Elisha was asking of Elijah is saying, you've built, on, you've built for me and now I'm ready to build beyond that only because of what you started. If Elisha didn't see that model, if he didn't have that example before him to see the pattern of how he could, he could pray for people, what he was meant to do in his life, where would his foundation be? And there's escalation building on top of, you see, Elisha didn't simply heal a boy just like Elijah did. There was an escalation in that story. If you remember back, the lady that Elisha performed that miracle for, at that point, she did not have a child. And, she, and Elisha spoke to the woman and said, you're going to have a child one day. You, you, the, the struggles that you're having with infertility, you're going to be healed and you're going to have a boy one day. That truth that came, that came to pass. Then the boy died unexpectedly. Elisha came and raised him back from the dead and brought him back to his mom. Elijah simply healed a boy who had already been living. There had been no issue there. There was an escalation in the power of God in that story. There's escalation when we're supposed to increase the work of God in our life. We're meant to build on what has already been started for us. And when Elijah asked Elisha, what can I do for you? Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit. If you look in the Bible, there are 10 recorded miracles of Elijah. If you look at Elisha, there are 22 recorded miracles of Elisha. I think that's because not only does God give us double, he gives us more than we ask for, right? He's the God of abundance. There's a reason there's an escalation as we ask for more, and there's something built that we can build on top of. Is everybody with me so far? Build for me. The pattern of escalation. I want to jump forward in the story. There's a prophet named Isaiah who is prophesying of those who were to come after him. Let me show you this verse in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. He says this, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. There is the prophecy of one that would come to prepare the way of the Lord. And it continues to be prophesied throughout the Old Testament. I believe Malachi, uh, his 
his scripture also references this prophecy. Let's see if it comes to pass here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of, of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. I'm going to stop there. goes more to the story, but Matthew is clearly stating that John the Baptist is the one fulfilling the prophecy from Isaiah. I know you're wondering, how does this con connect with, Isaac, with Elijah and Elisha? Give, give me a second to get there. But we see that we, are, we have it underlined, right? Prepare the way of the Lord. Then after that, verse, verse 4, it says he wore what? A, a garment of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist. This is a little bit of, of a foreshadowing. It might be hard to recollect if, if you don't remember the story of Elijah and Elisha, but look back at 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8. What does it say about Elijah? It says, they answered him. He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist, and he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. This is a callback from Elijah to John the Baptist. This is, uh, this is a bit of foreshadowing. This is like a, an, um, what, what's the word, uh, um, an Easter egg in a show or movie, right? You ever see a show or movie? It's like, is that calling back? Are those the spurs of Boba Fett? Because if he's coming, I'm excited, right? It's that type of mentality. And then they solidify what we, we think we know in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. This is what John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm going to get back to that connection between Elijah and John the Baptist in a second, but I want to focus on the words of John right here. He said, he who is coming after me is mightier than I. See, John's aware of his responsibility that he's baptizing with water and for repentance, but he's also, he's willing and he's eager for someone to come after him. And I hope that God, we're saying, God, would you build for me? But I also hope that we're eager to say, God, will you build beyond me? Number two is, God, will you build beyond me? See, we might have a foundation that God has built for us, and hopefully we're, we're growing, we're increasing, we're escalating. But I also want at the end of me, I want someone to build on top of me. I want someone to go further than I've ever gone in my life. And this is where it gets tricky as Christians. Because it's really easy in the world to say, yeah, I want someone to build for me. I, I want someone to build something that I can start from. I, I want to build something great. But in Christian, as a, as a follower of Jesus, we have to be excited that one day someone is going to build beyond us. That's where it gets challenging. Someone is going to go beyond what, what I've done. My, my accomplishments? No, I, I want my accomplishments to stay forever, right? I want my picture at the company to stay up there as the, the best employee doing the best job. I don't want anyone to come and take that down. You think about competition in sports. You think about the, there's always the desire to be the greatest of all time. Who's the goat, right? This is the conversation that we have. And it's very possible, I don't want to get into a debate right now, it's very possible Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time in basketball, right? I know we still have more time for LeBron James to play, I get that. 
But if you look at his competitiveness, his dominance as a player, Michael Jordan was never like in the middle of a playoff run or a game saying, hey, let me show you how to play this game, young fella. Let, let me teach you. No, he said, I want to beat you today. I want to beat you tomorrow. If I could go back in the future, I would go back and beat you even more. He wanted to win, win, win all the time. And there's a, I know that's sports. I know that's, that's the mentality to have there. But as Christians, we have to have the mentality that, yeah, I'm trying to build something great for God's kingdom, but I want to build something that's a platform for you to stand on after me. And we, we can all look at this from, from a different perspective, right? We, we all have different ways that, that we can take this into our life. But think about a good parent. A good parent never wants to say, yes, yeah, son, I, I want you to do well in life, but I never want you to succeed me. I want you to be right next to me. I want you to only have as much finances at most as I had or have the same education. No, a good dad says, I want you to build way beyond me. I want to set you up for the best success you could have, the best education, the, the best health in your life, the best health in your marriage, in your family. That's how we're supposed to look at one another and as, a, as our mentality in Christ. And again, we, we have to take this for our own context in work and life. If you don't know, before I was here at the gathering, I was a worship pastor in Dublin for 10 years. And can I be honest, even in ministry, if you're not careful, you can have a level of competition, right? I try to keep that in check. I texted some of the pastors here in Marysville this morning. I just felt like it was on my heart. I said, hey, we're taking ground for the kingdom of God together today. And back to being at ministry in Dublin, Radiant Life, I was a worship pastor. And of course, I wanted somebody before me to build something great. I wanted to have a platform that, that was built because of what they did. There was, if you know some of the people, there were the Jeff Webbs and the Sherry Hams and people that built up an incredible worship, tons and tons of people that I was able to build on top of. But the difficult thing is to say, I, it's not about me. I want when, th when I leave here, I want things to be better than where I, when I left them. I, I want people to grow. I want personally, I want to see people like, like Alexa and Emma and Dalton and Brielle and Audrey and all the leaders here. I want them to grow way beyond where I was. I want them to have power to sing and a prophetic voice and songwriting. I, I don't want them to stay at just the same level that I am. I want them to build beyond. Church, do we have the capacity to, to say, build beyond me? I'm trying to build something great, but I want people, I want this to be a platform so the next person can stand on them and next one after that and next one until we all go to heaven. That's, that's the kingdom mentality. And it's easier said than done, but I love John the Baptist because he said, I'm going to fade away. I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do, my assignment, what God has called me to do, but one day I'm going to fade away, but he is mightier than I. And I come with a baptism of repentance, but he's coming with a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Do we have the mentality of God build beyond me? Now we get back to that connection between uh, Elijah and John the Baptist. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 11 through 14. It says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. This is Jesus talking, by the way. I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, here it is, he is Elijah who is to come. 
Jesus is confirming what we believed, what we thought we knew, we thought was clear from Malachi and Isaiah, Elijah was not going to literally reappear in the New Testament, but that John the Baptist was playing the role of the new Elijah. If you look at Luke chapter 1, it says that John would minister in the spirit and power of Elijah. So let's, let's get this straight. If John is the Elijah of the New Testament, then who is the New Testament version of Elisha? It's Jesus. You can actually see patterns from Elisha in his ministry to the life and ministry of Jesus. If you look at some of the miracles, there are similarities. Elisha, he, he actually, it was an escalation from Elisha's ministry to Jesus. Elisha blessed food and provided for a hundred men in the Old Testament. We know that, Eli that Jesus blew that out of the water, right? He, he fed thousands, men, women, and children. In the Old Testament, Elisha was the only one that we see healing of, of a leper in Naaman. We know that Jesus healed the ten lepers in the New Testament. So many similarities, but it's not just a similarity of a pattern. There's escalation. There's this growing pattern that takes place. We, we know that, that Jesus and Elisha, they both raised people from the dead, but Jesus alone had the power to give both physical life and spiritual life through his death and his resurrection. We see this pattern of escalation of Elisha to Jesus. And we also know it says that John was greater than Elijah. Picture this with me for a second. So we know that Elijah started this foundation. Maybe I need to have lines here that say Elijah. But I get confused all the time. Then we have, let's say, we have Elisha that built upon that. We know that he had a double portion of Elijah's spirit. We also know that in Matthew 11, Jesus said there no one greater has come before John the Baptist. So John the Baptist has built upon that. And then what did John the Baptist say? He is mightier than I who's coming. I'm not even worthy to hold his sandals. Jesus built on that. There's this escalation in the Old Testament, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and in the New Testament. Is that clear as mud? Did I explain that well? And of course, with Jesus, we, we could take all this time to see the parallels between him and the many people who followed God. I, I'm, just, I'm just touching on the surface. We could see Moses to Jesus, right? The Ten Commandments, right? Moses brought the Ten Commandments from God. What did Jesus do? He shared the Ten Commandments, and he escalated them. He said, you've heard not to commit adultery, but I'm telling you, if you look at a person to lust after them, you've committed adultery in your heart. Yes, you're not supposed to murder, but if you have anger, if you have hatred, you are murdering someone in your heart. He was escalating that story. You can compare David to Jesus and how they both suffered greatly. Right? David was abandoned by his followers. Jesus was abandoned by his followers. Both had great victories, had great suffering. I know we don't want to talk about this part, but just, there, just like there can be an escalation in victory, there can be an escalation in suffering sometimes. There was an escalation in the story of David and his victories. that he, When he had victory and the army had victory, the Israelites were strong. How much greater the victory when Jesus died and was resurrected with a triumph over death, hell, and the grave that he gave victory for all of us. There's escalation all throughout stories. And as we close, let me show you from John chapter 14. I, I believe this is the greatest escalation in Scripture. Alex, would you come up and play keys as we close here? 
Read this with me in John 14, verse 11. He says, believe me. This is again, this is Jesus speaking. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. We've talked about how Elijah, it went from Elijah to Elisha. Elijah built something for Elisha. There are people in your life that they've built something for you. There's a foundation there. And we knew John said there was someone that was coming after him that would build beyond him. But Jesus said, greater things than these will you do. And of course, yes, he was talking to his disciples there, but he's also talking to you and me. Greater things will we do because if we ask in the name of Jesus, it will be done for us, not for our own glory, not for our own sake, but to glorify God the Father. The third point as we close, we've asked God to build something for us and we've asked him to build something beyond us, but I wanna end focusing here on the present. I'm asking you, would you say, God, build through me? Build through me. I wonder if there are some followers of Jesus in the room that have the faith to say, God, build through me. We've seen you work in the past. I've seen you build something in the past and I wanna build something that goes way beyond me. But right now I'm focusing on God. Would you build through me? Would you build something powerful through me that changes the atmosphere, that changes my family, that changes my church, that changes my community? God, build through me. Build through me so that God's church increases. And so that giving goes around the world so the nations will know who he is. God, will you build through me? I wanna see rapid growth of discipleship in our culture, amen? I wanna see a new wave of revival rise up, but it only happens when the people of God are willing to say, God, build through me. If you're not satisfied with where you are, would you say, God, build through me? If you're, if you're, not, if you're hungry for more, if you know God has more planned for you, will you say, God, build through me? In fact, if you believe it so strongly, I'm asking you, would you stand to your feet if you're saying, God, I want you to build something through me. If that's you right now, would you stand to your feet? And if you're not there yet, it's okay. That's, that's totally fine. But if you're willing to say, God, I'm committing to you. I'm submitting to your plan. I wanna build something from the foundation. I wanna build something that goes beyond me today. I hope we're commissioning ourselves, having this desire to build his kingdom through us. That's not about us. I'm not trying to make it all about us. John the Baptist was very good at that humility, saying, I don't even deserve to carry the sandals of Jesus. But we know that Jesus in his love for us, he desires to build through you. If you remember a few weeks ago, we looked at Matthew chapter nine. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send the workers out into the field for this harvest. He desires to build through you. 
He doesn't say, get, get, get out of the way. You're, you're making a mess. You're making mistakes. No, he desires to build through you. And so today, as we close, as you're standing, I hope that means you're saying, God, build through me. But I want to be clear. Not everyone has had the same foundation. Some of us have been very blessed. We've had a, a, a heritage of godly believers and parents and people. But maybe you're here and you're like, Matt, I don't feel like anything was built for me. Just know whatever you've been built, much more is required for those who have been built a lot. And you are where you are today on purpose, not by accident. I'm here on purpose because I was built by a first-generation pastor who had to first hear the call of God, that first had to get a hold of his heart, and I'm building on top of what's already been built before me. Maybe you don't have that same story, but I bet you you're here because there's been people that have been praying for you. I bet you have that foundation of prayer that there have been family members or friends or neighbors or coworkers. Somebody cared enough about you to begin your foundation to build for you simply through prayer. And we know there's power in prayer, amen? And so I'm gonna ask in a moment, we all wanna build God to build through us, but I'm gonna pray for you that feel like you don't have anything built for you to step on top of, and you don't know how to set something up so that someone can build beyond you. That's God's heart. Let me pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you would say, Matt, I, I'm struggling with that concept that, that someone has built something before me, I feel like I've got nothing to stand on right now. Uh, if you would be willing and vulnerable, would you slip up your hand and say, Matt, show me, God, God show me where someone has built something for me because I'm not seeing it. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you be honest and say, I, I just don't see it? Okay. Okay. And secondly, if you say, Matt, just like that pattern of selfishness we talked about last week, it's so easy for me to focus on the here and now and what I'm building, what I'm doing, what I'm saying, what I'm spending my money on. Help me to focus on, on building something that goes beyond me. If that's you and you, you want help with that mentality to see that, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you in mind. Yep, I see hands all over the place. Hands all over the place. Let's pray together, church. God, I pray. And we say, first of all, thank you for building something for us. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the people that you sent in our life that because of them, we've got something to stand on. And now I pray, would you build through us? Help us to be intentional in every aspect of our life to glorify you. We, we know that our work is our worship to you. We glorify you with our work. And so I pray, would you build through us something special that goes beyond our work, that goes beyond what we're doing right now. I pray that you would help us to see the next generation of workers, the next generation of sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. Help us to be ready to build them up so that they go way beyond where we've ever been. We thank you that power takes place. Revival takes place when we get out of the way of ourselves, of our selfishness, and we focus on building up your kingdom. God, we thank you that you are building something special. I pray a blessing over each person, that they would be intentional to build for you, that you would build through us, and you would build beyond us. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, 
and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.